episode. I don't even have to look at the episode number today, Craig. And I'll tell you why. Episode 388, After the Whistle, presented by Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. I was planning on doing an open and telling you how I feel like this whole time I should be doing a music show after coming from Shred and Ragon, but that's a conversation for we'll save for another day because this episode, the number for this episode, I wouldn't say is very near and dear to my heart. I'd say it's very near and dear to my fist and face. But this number is very significant to my hockey career. Any idea why? Sorry to make this about me, by the way, but I don't feel I ever do that that often. Hey. I don't know. Tell me. My second year in the American League, I led the American Hockey League with 388 penalty minutes. The single hardest year of hockey I've ever had. Was it really, though? Was it really? First year in the minors? Second year. Second year in the minors. Piss and vinegar. Probably love fighting. Have no problem with it whatsoever. No real pressure on you. So was it really the hardest? It was hard. Did you enjoy it, though? It was a grind. I felt selfish at times. Just taking dimes for no reason, you know. How many games did you play that year? 67. I was gunning for 400. I wanted 400. I missed 13 games. I missed 13 games with an injury. Hmm. So you're not scratching heavyweights in the American Hockey League that are leading the league in penalty minutes. You're never doing that. They're in the lineup every night because there are two or three, even four guys on every team back then that were just like you. Two for sure. One on defense, one on forward. Mm-hmm. So it was my, it was a, my it was, second year. Um, after my first year, I, I've told you this story before, but after my first year, I sat down with the head coach and the GM of the Fredericton Canadians, and they said, we have two things for you. One, we want you to take boxing lessons. Now, this is after this is after a year that um, I had 32 points in 78 games as a rookie defenseman, and I had 125 penalty minutes. That's that's an unbelievable season. It's a great it's a great year because when I came out of junior, I was known as an offensive defenseman. Okay, I was a power play specialist. I wasn't a fighter. If you're an offensive guy getting 125 penalty minutes, you're mixing it up seven to 12 times a year. And yes, I did. Yes, I did. I not only did I do that, but I also fought some really tough guys that were out of my weight class. Um. And, would you be and able did, to know how many majors you had that year? Like off the top of your head? I would say I would say 10. Yeah. At, easily at 10. At least 10. Yeah. A couple 10s in there, 10 minute mine, uh, yes. maj- like 10 minute not majors, but uh misconducts, you know, get tossed out of a game here or there. Yeah. So yeah, to finish my story, I, I, I had a meeting with the, the GM. To finish and, your story that started in my story. Go ahead. Exactly. Um, because you're talking about your second year in the league. I was talking about myself, and, and you had to talk about yourself. <laughs> Just, so Getting out of this meeting, two things they told me to do. They wanted me to go home and take boxing lessons. And I raised my eyebrows because I'm like, I don't even know what, like, why, why would I take boxing lessons? 
And the second thing they said is next year, we want you to have minimum 200 penalty minutes. And I was looking at them and the most penalty minutes I'd had in my life was that, that year at 125, I've had a hundred penalty minutes before, but I wasn't a fighter at, and at any stretch. And so I left that meeting walking out of it, scratching my head going, what did I just listen to? They want me to take boxing lessons and they want me to have 200 penalty minutes, basically telling me they want me to go home, hone my skills on hitting the bag and fighting and becoming a different defenseman than what I've been my entire life, which was an offensive guy. I phoned my dad. He's like, all right, well, we got to do what we got to do. Get home here and let's start the training. So I go back the next year, my second year, just like you just said, and they wanted 200. I was going to give them well over 200 just, you just get, because you I was so pissed off. I had, I had, a, I only played 49 games that year and I had 189. Oh. So I was on pace for 300. Yeah, for sure. 300. So, but I didn't I remember. I, I remember. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, I didn't play a full season because I was up uh, for the other, you know, half or, or one third of the season with the Montreal Canadians. Um, but it just, you know, to me, the transition of what I got drafted as and what I became in my NHL career, it's just really interesting that I think there's a lot of players that are, put in these positions to have to alter and change their style of play from what they did in youth hockey and in junior and have to buy in and make a decision to say, yes, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Or there's a, there was a ton of guys that were, I would consider way better than me back then that chose not to um, do what they had to do. So the last game of the season, it was in Cleveland my brother had been called up to Rochester. We were playing together in Rochester. We were on the same line. Darcy Verrott from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins finished his season the night before us with 387 penalty minutes total. He and I were the ones leading the league all year, chasing the chasing this thing back and forth. So I go to the game to get ready for Cleveland and I'm sitting at 350 or 329 penalty minutes. So I'm like, it's over. It's the last game of the year. Now, how many did I tell you I finished with? 388. I only had had one game to get her done. How did you do that? I'm still trying to figure out the math. I can't There's remember. Got to be at least three fighting majors. There's so, got to be so I, a. But what happened was I had a two, five, and ten in the first. And I wasn't going for it. I was not going for it. This is how the game turned out. I had a two, five, and ten in the first. Then in the in the second period, Jonathan Chichu gets a pass, and I go down and I fucking blow him up. I mean, I blew up his face. Okay, this guy was bleeding all over his visor. He was, this guy was like, I blew up his nose. I got a five minute for elbowing and a 10 minute misconduct. They didn't kick me out of the game. Okay. So now what are we at? Now we're at 32. 
So we go out late in the game. My brother gets buried in the corner. He gets up. He starts fighting. I go in. I grab some fucking guy, and I just start tossing him around, throwing uppers, overs, fucking everything you can imagine. Another two, five, and ten. Then they gave me the ten for the game misconduct. Fifty-nine penalty minutes. My math is right. And that's how we get to episode 388. All that led to episode 388. So hope you enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Thomas Vanek. Uh, sorry, we're a few minutes late, Van. I uh, Every other Tuesday, we rotate Shred and Rag in here in Buffalo. You did it with them not long ago. Last mm-hmm. year, I think it was. So so I was on with them today. It just awesome conversation. I was telling Riv, I'm like, I think I should be doing a music show. I, I love talking <laughs> music more than anything else in the world. Nah, I don't know, Petey. I think you're pretty good. You should have like a um, another podcast, music and and movies with Petey. People can just call in and and, and quiz you on uh, different songs and movie and movie quotes. <laughs> well, did you drive shit. down there this morning? Did you did. drive to the studio? I did. I love. I love like, going you're in. So weird, man. Why? Because super weird. Say more. Super weird that you have to like drive all the way down there and sit in the room with the guys and do the whole. Oh my god! I just I just figured it out at Banner on that side <laughs> note, on that thing that we were talking about before the show. You got figured it. it out. I cannot even believe it. But anyway, you just love to be with the boys. You love like I. They don't even know that you want their job. I think you love that job more than anything. You're like to go into the studio every morning, discuss, discuss sports, discuss worldly things that are happening. And then all of a sudden be on a music radio station is literally your pinnacle. Okay. So you're, you're kind of wrong. I'm kind of wrong, but I'm kind of right though. I, I love going in. I love talking about the music. I love, I, I love going in there. I do. I love being in a, in a, uh, I loved my time in a radio booth and that gives me my fill that I need. Right. Cause this is exactly what I love doing. That is a little taste of, of just it, of the enjoyment and it's a much different seat, but to, to the other side of it, why I go, why I go is Believe it or not, I'm up early every morning. I am an early riser. It gets me out of the house, gives me something to do. That's but what I'm I with do. Petey. If I if I would do that, I would I would go in too. It's not like I'm going in every day. It's once a week. I don't have my son today. He's with his mom, so it's like I'm gonna I'm up at six thirty anyway. I'm gonna go and get my coffee, and I'm gonna come home and do what? What? Yeah, but to, to me, it's it's read also about the Nylander contract again. Read about the Bedard fucking hit. Read about <laughs> like, what am I what what? But I'm with you, Petey, because to me, it's either you call in and you don't see the people, which sucks. Then the next best thing is what we do is the Zoom, right? At least we're not in the same place, but at least it has some type of feel like it because we can see each other, another reaction. And then the best thing is to actually be in studio and feel the, you know, the, the connection between the other guys and then how they're feeling in this so well, the, the body language of them too you know when they yes. want to say something you're not on the radio just sit or on the phone just the awkward there, like, pause you know, awkward yeah it's just it's you mm-hmm. know so there's a there's a complete so pretty much what we're saying pd is riff stop being lazy and go to the fucking studio when it's your turn in two weeks i'll be back down there 
and I'll be in and out again. <laughs> yeah, man, they're hey, awesome. Hey. They're two awesome guys, man. They get they are so good together. You should see these two in studio. They just get it. How would you know? It, You're, you've never been in studio with them. Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, I have, and you know that. Um, and you know what? It's true. But I'll tell you this: you're, when you're in studio, you're actually better too. Yeah, to be honest okay. with you. Great, thanks, PD, for telling me that. Um, but my point was this: what I realized is how good they are together, and how poor we are as 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 a duo. I'm going to tell you that right now. They know exactly. It's almost like there's one brain, and they feed off each other. Where, one's the left side, one's the right side. Yeah, exactly. You want to lay across both brains. Like you think that you want to use the right and the left. Yeah, I want to saw it down the middle. I want to be the stitch. All right. All right. Let's the get going. I don't think I don't think we have much brain left. That's why it takes us a long time, especially ribs to spit his point out. And can you take your head out of your ass right now and start producing the show? We got lots to talk about here. Let's Thomas go. Did come hey, on. To- I, I, I want to talk about something quickly before we get going. Your world junior take Rivs. I completely disagree with it. I think you're just butthurt to Canada. What what's that? What do you mean? That they left five guys at home. So it's it's not uh it's not the real team. It is freaking Canada. They you guys used to say we can field two teams and we will play in the championship. Okay. So you leave five guys at home and then now it's okay to lose? Five guys? No, five guys playing in the NHL, Thomas. Big difference. Come on. Connor, Connor Bedard last year shredded, shredded the world. So you're saying it's okay. So, so no, no, no. Next... Let, me, let me finish. If you're going to sit here and talk about my butt being hurt, then let's talk about, you know, the 17-year-old Connor Bedard who's now going to the, the NHL, the, the, the All-Star game. Okay? He's that guy. Okay. okay. He led, he, he produced more points than anyone in the history of the world juniors. That's Connor. That's Connor Bedard at 17. Well, what would he be doing at 18? What would Adam Fantilli be doing over there? What did it's- Zach Benson, what would he be doing over there? What would Shane Wright be doing over there? What would Kevin Korchinski the defenseman, seventh overall to Chicago Blackhawks. You don't think those five guys would make a difference? That's one third of the bloody team. So players six through 25 is not good enough then? No, they were solid. They weren't great this year, um, but they were solid. It was a solid team. Um, you know, we're going to sit here and shit on Canada because they didn't make it through the no, quarterfinals. No, 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 I'm not shitting on Canada, but I, first you're, time making what? Excuse, you're making excuses. Teams win cups with their best player being hurt, This is no excuse, Thomas. This is not an excuse. This is reality, man. Start talking reality. Reality is Hockey Canada. Your depth should be... You guys used to say all the time, we can feel two teams. I I apologize that five of our Canadians are in the NHL at at age 18. Sorry about that. I apologize to the United States. What are you talking about? We have five guys that are in the friggin' NHL this year that could yeah. be playing in the world juniors. We could be sending, we could be still sending guys to the world juniors next year. Connor Bedard could be playing there next year. Yeah. Logan Cooley can play too. He wasn't there. Oh, order the friggin' rings. They don't need to. Game well, yeah, they don't need to. They they got it. 
You don't need to order the rings. They got the rings. Listen, I mean, come on, man. Quit acting stupid. You take Cutter Goche, you take Snugger Rude, you take uh, Rucker McGordy, you take Gavin Brindley, and you take one defense, Lane Hudson, and take yeah. them off the team. How the fuck is it U.S.? They I think they'll be just the fine. Quarters. Are you kidding me? You're on crap, man. You take those five guys, five guys off the United States. Yeah. The United States doesn't have a chance. Oh, you're crazy. Yeah, they do. They win it again. No, they because they got good depth. They got they got kids they left at home. Musty's a great player. Was he there? You don't think he can play at the World Juniors? Hey, why wasn't he there? Was he not good enough, or is that because he went to the O? I think it's because he went to the OHL. Yeah. He's, he's a great player. I, I do agree with you. If Canada brings those five NHL guys, would they be better? Of course they are. The whole point is, you guys always used to say, oh, Canada should field two teams and they will play in the championship for gold. Well, I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think it is either. I really don't. I, I But I, I'm okay with that. I mean, I don't... I don't. Right. No, I think it's great for... It, international hockey right well, that it, it probably goes back to why they're they're doing the national t- tournament the way they are didn't we talk about this before thomas where they're going to go to four teams canada u.s sweden finland i think that's the first world cup just to start it out and then i think i heard in 28 they're going to expand again czech russia czech russia so they're just going to do like a four nations cup type thing yes to start out which is much needed. I mean, it, it's crazy how old McDavid is already, and we haven't seen him in a best on best, right? Or in a yeah, yep. So, I mean, that's why the World Juniors, I think, are so so fun to watch, right? Because we don't get to see the NHL guys playing the Olympics, or we haven't in a long time. So, hopefully, that will change soon. Well, I want to. While we're talking about World Juniors, Riv brought up Bedard. Kid got crunched last week. All hell breaks loose. There's an uproar. And I like what Luke Richardson said, you know. Um, you know, it was just a hit. He stepped up on him. I don't think he did anything to hurt him, right? He has a broken jaw, doesn't he? Yes, yep. he does. You know, I didn't see anything that was wrong with the hit other than Bedard not having his head up. I, I think he, know ha- I think he had his head up. Okay. Exactly. I think he just extended himself and put himself in a, in a vulnerable situation. Yeah. I mean, I remember when it happened last week, I think – I came home from practice and one of my boys was like, oh, did you see the Bedard head? He got hurt. And I'm like, no, I just got off the ice. So anyways, go on um, Twitter or X or whatever you call it nowadays. See the head and I'm like, and I keep looking over. I'm like, where did he get hurt? Like, I mean, especially the last couple of weeks, the hits from behinds from cousins and like, there's some dirty hits, right? And this was like, I mean, that's that's just the guy stepping up and taking a lane away. I don't even yeah. think he really hit him. It's more like it Bedard skated into him. It wasn't a hit to hurt body no. check. It was, you know, you've got to stand up there and at least just throw a body, which he did. It's almost like it, it's like a it was like a hard bump instead of a body. It wasn't yeah. a hit, right? Um, it was unfortunate that uh Connor Bedard was in a vulnerable position. He came over the line with control, Huck got away from him, tried to reach for it, put himself in a bad situation. Um it's it was not head contact. It was body contact, which you know the the brunt of it was in his chest and to the side of his face. And we don't know 
if his jaw, like when he went to, he like that everything was loose in his face, you know, when you, you can tense oh, yeah. your face up or you can let it be real loose. I'm, I mean, um, hopefully I, I hope that the kid, um, it is not a real bad break. I hope that he can get back quicker than, than later, but didn't see it at all as, uh, as a, you know, oh, a dangerous hit. Exactly. And I'm PD PD started out perfectly, right? I thought it was great for the coach for Luke Richardson to come out and be like, that was a hockey play. Let's move on. Loved you know, it, right? I think it was great. That's that's an yeah. old school hockey guy that says, Hey, kids gotta learn too. Happens. Yeah. It's a contact. And his best sport. player, which I think is unbelievable. Then yes. you have your, you know, you have your and it, a lot of good examples here. Then you have, you know, uh, Nick Felino going and stepping up and fighting the guy. You know, they nothing they, wrong with that, right? No. I'm kind of torn on it. I mean, I guess, yeah, do you have to do it? Do you have to do that? Even if, I think everybody on that bench can take a look at that hit and say, come on, kid. You know, now this guy's got to go out and fight. No, I, you know, to, see, and I'm with you, Petey, because too many times there's good hits and there's, you know, I know Torts touched on it. Now we're, we're fighting after, after every good hit. I think this case, this scenario is different to me because it is your young superstar, right? He's your all-star. You're going to build your franchise around him. It's more so, hey, we're going to protect this kid, even if it's a clean hit. Yeah. But if that's, I don't even know who they have on their, their team. Name me an older guy, Chicago forward. Tyler Johnson, isn't he there? Corey Perry? Yeah, but he's hurt. Okay, he's hurt. Yeah, I, I, who is who's an older forward? Well, they had Corey Perry. He's uh, no longer there. They have yeah, Felino there, but I mean, their but whole Felina team is, the is very young. I'm, I'm saying if, if that's an older forward that's been in the league for, you know, seven, eight, ten seasons and that hit happens to him, I don't think there's a fight. Teams never give away information on injuries. Upper body, lower body, that's it. But the attorneys at Salino Law have a lot to say about dealing with injuries. If you're in a car crash and you have been injured, Call Salino, 800-555-5555. Who doesn't love a great pregame meal? You're in luck. Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino has the Buffalo Sabres home game dinner special. Available on home game days, Wednesday through Saturday, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Three-course prime rib dinner special. 50 bucks a purse at Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. Another story off the USA World Junior Team. Cutter Gauthier refused, denied, what's the word you want to use, a conversation with Philadelphia Flyers management. Puzzling the way it went down, but obviously I think Danny B was in a, in a tough spot, right? Because the college kids do have the advantage where the, the kid plays one more year at BC and he's a free agent. So so college kids have a lot of leverage. It's not like the the OHL, if you don't sign after year two, I think you re-enter the draft. Is that right? You're, you don't become a free agent. Yes, you re-enter right? the draft. Right. So uh, I want to see Danny B and then and the staff there. They probably tried the hardest, like, like Riff said, well, you know, to get well, a how do you think that then... conversation goes? They probably say so. So Thomas, just to be clear, this was his year to sign, or he no, or as just no, no, he's a sophomore, so he so would he have to play one more year at school. 
So my you know, my thought is this. My thought is they laid out a plan. Like Philly's in a decent spot right now. Where do you insert an experimental kid out of college on a team that I think is trying to make a push for a playoff spot, do something special there, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm guessing, this is purely speculation, that the plan for, for Drysdale, for uh, Gauthier, was probably time in the minors. Start in the minors. That's I'm totally just speculating as to why this kid wouldn't sign with the Philadelphia Flyers because he fits the mold there perfectly and he can go and play his game and not have to worry about having to back it up. They got Hathaway, they got Delorier. I'm like, it's what a place to play. He's the perfect Philadelphia Flyer model type player, and they have Bonk coming up the system. They have that match by Metkev guy, Matt by what's Mitchkoff. Mitchkoff. Yeah. So that's the name. I, I, I didn't really, I really, Matt Vay Mitchcock is his name. But my, so I, that's, that's my. Ribs is smiling finally. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. That was, <laughs> I thought it was a solid attempt. I just kept going with it when I knew I had it wrong. <laughs> no, but again, I think it's, it's gonna, it's, it's tough to sit for here, right? We can all be like, the fuck's wrong with kids here nowadays demanding this and this. But, you know, I think a lot of it, has to do with I don't know who his agent is, right? Because at at nineteen, I think you take advice from from your agent. At least I did. Maybe that has changed too. Somewhere he's getting some input, and something must have happened along the way. Well, reading on that, Banner, you bring up a great point about where is he? Who is he getting his information from? Discussing all this kind of stuff about the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, Cutter jo- Goche has come out and said that. You know, he gets a lot of information about the league in general from Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes was a former player, one of the top players on Philadelphia Flyers for years, okay, was moved out this year, did not get along with John Tortorella, did not get along with some of the things, obviously, Philadelphia has done, and he left there with a sour grapes in his mouth. Well, who does Cutter Goche talk to from Philadelphia or used to be in Philadelphia? It's Kevin Hayes. Is he is he getting the information about the organization from from Kevin Hayes' eyes? Is the question? You know? Yeah, I think that's 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 complete BS. I mean, even Kevin Hayes can tell him, "Hey, I didn't have a great experience, but." You're you're a great player. You're a good young prospect. They're going to treat you differently. I don't see Kevin Hayes shitting on an organization. I I really, as a former player, you don't do that stuff. I mean, I remember I got God. I was thirty some when I got traded to Columbus to Tortorella, and I was shitting my pants because of all the stories from my friends that have played for Torts. And I remember I texted Steve, or I called Steve Bartlett. I'm like, oh boy, I'm not sure if I even want to go to Columbus. And he goes, no, I know Torts. He's You'll like him. He'll be fine. Uh, and I was scared shitless. I'm like, I do not. I'm 35 years old or 34. I'm like, I don't know if I need, if he's going to love my game. Right. But yeah. anyways, I, I was a pro. I went and I loved my time of torts. Absolutely loved it. Was he hard? Yes. Was he fair? Absolutely. Did, so he, it's, did he ever blow up at you? He did one time. And, you know, I'm, I, as you guys know, I mean, Lindy blew up on me a lot and I wasn't the type of player that, you know, I just kind of took it and then said my piece the next day and not on the bench. And so he did blow up on me once. And then the next day he called me in his office and he actually apologized because he's like, 
why did you say anything? I got it wrong. It wasn't your mistake. It was your fucking center. I'm like, it's all right, dude. It's, it's to me, it's go out and do it the next shift. I'm not going to bury my, my center and be like, no, that wasn't me. That was him. That was just my mentality. I just take it and move on and, and try my best. Riz mentioned it. Over time, we'll find out the other side of the story. But as far as the trade goes down, Goche is going to be a star. I'm with Rivs. I love the kid's game. He's projected Unreal. to be a, a top line player. So the next best thing you want, if you if you're giving up an asset like that, is probably a number one defenseman, or that can project as a number one defenseman, and especially a right-handed defenseman. What is Jamie Drysdale? So, and you know they have seen him play. They had injuries last year, but they already seen him play at the NHL level. He's not a prospect. So, you know, he's not in the OHL or in college hockey, Jamie Drysdale. He's got NHL games under his belt. So Danny B obviously felt uh, that his skill set can translate with, with well, Torch's help. That, well, that's how you rebuild on the fly is if you're going to move a prospect, you go and acquire a guy that's got a hundred and something plus games, a high first round pick, a ton of upside and something that you need. But listen, Anaheim, in their current position, that is an unbelievable pickup for them with the youth Incredible. that they have and where they're going and some of the draft picks they have. And they're going to Troy continue. Terry, um, Leo Carlson, Leo Carlson, who's the Dewey Dangle guy, um, Zegris, Zegris, and probably the one who does not get any love whatsoever McTavish. is McTavish. I mean, yes. they have four. Young stud forwards right now. You add in Cutter Goche, it is mind blowing, mind blowing to think what you're going to have with those guys in the next number of years. And probably another high pick coming up this year, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Forgetting this. And, this and most likely you, they're going to be picking a defenseman, right, Vanner? I would assume so when you lose one. Well, they also have this young Russian defenseman in their lineup. This Pavel uh, mm -hmm. Mintyukov, he was the tenth overall pick in twenty twenty two. He's six two. I mean, he's a he's another big young piece to that team going forward. But Cutter yeah. Gochi, and, how, and how old is he? Nineteen. Wow, that's twenty. I mean... Sorry, he turned twenty on November twenty fifth. Yeah, I mean. Very impressive, very impressive trade. You also have to look at the the Drysdale situation. Is Philadelphia is certainly hoping and praying that the the knee injury that kept out Drysdale for an entire almost an entire season. He played eight games in two thousand twenty two twenty three, um, and then had to then had have a reconstructive knee surgery and he's back obviously this year, but you know, you never know how that, that, uh, that injury is going to pan out over the course of a number of years. So something, uh, very interesting to, to watch, um, both teams getting, getting some solid players. I think Drysdale is, is kind of, uh, fits in really nicely with what, uh, Philadelphia is doing right now. It's still though it's, to me. I mean, when I saw this yesterday, I'm like, it's it really is shocking though. When's the last time you saw 
a top 10 pick moving on before even signing, right? Uh, I, I, I'm sure it happens. I just can't remember, especially, you know, it's not a top 10 pick that probably a, a team wasn't in love with, you know, and not a deep draft. I mean, any team wanted would want a Cutter Goche. Which is interesting to me. It's funny that you just said that because I was about to just change gears on this topic. <laughs> Did no one else know about this deal? Did no one else know that Cutter Goche was available? Because I no, Danny B came out yesterday and he's you know he thanked all the other GMs to keep it quiet in case the kid changes his mind. So it was there was I guarantee you every team involved. Which is why I'm shocked they did. It's unbelievable, <laughs> man. It's unbelievable. Like I, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there. Oh, to me, it's 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 you know Danny B and 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 his staff obviously identified if we're getting rid of this player, this is what we want back, and Probably and they don't want draft capital back. With... They have draft capital. They wanted a player. Yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, okay. Well, I bet a lot of teams are not willing to give up a right hand shot defenseman, whether they're injured. Can I, or can not. I ask a question of that of Maybe Jamie Drysdale's caliber? Mm-hmm. Um, Yari Coolidge. You know Yari Coolidge. Yeah. Um, you. Um, I'm sure you watched him. Very dynamic player. Um, one of the. T- I would probably say the top prospect that is not playing in the National Hockey League. He's 19 years old, same age as Cutter Goche, 2004. Um, big, big, strong kid. Incredible shot on a power play. Um, I think where, it's Yuri, where, by the way. It's like Yuri Novotny. Yuri Coolidge. Um, where do Yuri you Novotny. feel in the league of kind of like, you know, and I don't, I don't know a lot. I know enough about these young guys, but where is the value from a Yari Coolidge to a uh, Cutter Goche? Like, where are they on on the level of what they're what they would demand in a in a trade? Well, I, I think Yuri is um, he's a sniper. He's proven that at the AHL level. He's proven that now at the World Juniors with you know kids his age. Yeah. But when I think of Cutter Goche, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It's to me, it's not the goal scoring. It's he does everything. What? He's big. He's physical. Big, he's got physical, a nasty power street. forward that can finish and make plays. Yeah, when I, I think of Yuri Coolidge, the... what's what comes to mind? Perimeter player. Perimeter player is an absolute up, power play specialist. Yeah, there's a lot. To me, there's a lot of those. He he looks to me when I watched him in the World Juniors, and he blew some one timers from the offside, mm-hmm. which is Victor Olofsson's spot. Remember when? Remember when the Sabers picked up Victor Olofsson? All they talked about he had one of the greatest shots, yep. not in the NHL. And the thing is, Victor Olofsson, I've always said this, is a very, very, very talented hockey player. He's got an incredible shot, and he has shown that he can score goals in the NHL. But the intangibles that go along with Yari Coolidge, and for exact that matter, a Victor Olofsson, are they limited? Where a Cutter Goche, you are getting a big, strong, fast, physical 
power forward that can play center. I think he's playing center right now, right? Uh, center, Vanner? yeah. So, yeah, so that, so that 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 answers your question, right? Where, where is the value? Because all those intangibles, I think, are super valuable because a perimeter shooter, and not to say that shooting isn't important, because both those kids were the Olafson and that. That's a talent itself. I can't. I yes. I can't. I don't have a one timer. I played for you know a long time. I couldn't one time the puck like these kids do. But I think there's more of those guys. There's a lot more of those guys nowadays that can rip the puck than there are the cutter go chase. And I and, and the funny thing is when you look at the Sabres in general, what they have chosen over the last number of years is they've chosen a five foot ten Zach Benson, a five foot nine um they said it right in their Beyond Blue and Gold. We picked this player. We're going to be criticized for loving small players. Yeah. And they, they've picked a lot of Isaac Rosen, Roseanne. Um, well, did they did smaller, again, softer. Again, but that's see, Savoy. Only time will that's tell, right? Because Savoy. you're going to look back in five, six years and be like, man, they picked the best player available. You don't know. You, you, I understand that's, that's that, but it's like this, Vanner. It's like this, man. It's 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 really like this. It's when you're pl- you're playing fantasy football, you choose a team at the start of your league, okay? <laughs> right. And then you go a couple weeks and you figure out, and all of a sudden you hear through the grapevine that someone's willing to trade a certain player that just like you're like what? And then all of a sudden, what happens is you sit there on you look at your team and does this benefit me if I were to go and make a trade for a guy who I think is better? That's how the league goes. Like if you have Absolutely. all of these pieces, if you have all these pieces and you need a certain type of player because you don't have a lot of them, why would you be all over Cutter Gauthier? 100%. But Rivs, you're, you're talking about Buffalo. I assume right now. And um, what's the one player that they probably would have to start with to get Cutter Goche? Power. Oh, yeah. No way. No way. It ain't Yoki Haru or. or... They're going to ask for power. Yeah. Now, now, just for a second, if I can just go full movie quote here. Riv just turned into the guy from Step Brothers, Van, when he goes, when he's talking to his new stepmom, he's like, so what do you do for fun? And he's like, manage a baseball team. She's like, oh, Little League? Fantasy League. <laughs> fantasy League. I'm sure managing your fantasy league is the same as managing a real league team, Riv. Yeah, it's, it's, that's why we do this podcast. <laughs> uh, well, you, you say that, But, P, but you but say no way. Think- then what, what player does it start with? I would think it starts with Yari Coolidge. I would think it it would start like you're talking about the Philadelphia Flyers, not Yari Coolidge. Even... If if it starts with him, then you you, you there's probably four more pieces beyond that. Mm, come on, that's not what they We're... wanted. They wanted a defenseman. Clearly, they okay. wanted a defenseman. Okay. They also have okay. some other. They have you seen that with many young forwards? They have a couple young forwards playing in the line that were first rounders from past years before. You know, this guy was drafted before, you know, like they have a second rounder in the lineup. Uh, can't think of break the 34th overall pick. I mean, I went through their entire roster last night and looked at guys who. Oh, and Tippett was traded from, uh, I think he was a 
10th overall pick from what's Florida. he 24 years old he's st- he's just he's your casey middlestad of the team so they didn't want coolidge they didn't want savoy they needed a defenseman that they could and they were they were obviously very specific you don't just start the trade and end up with a right hand shot defenseman you are targeting that that's their that well, was their target well, well but to me it's pretty simple right if, if you give away a, a first line projected center the return probably to get another first line center that is like Kadagoche, I don't know who's who's like that. And if some if a team has it, they're probably not willing to give it up. Yeah. So the next best thing is a top pairing projected defenseman, especially if he's a right-handed guy. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's move on here. Um yeah. here's a question that I, you know, you asked where certain players fit. Where does Alex Nylander, eleven point five million dollar cap hit, fit on the Leafs roster next year? I will be the first one to say I thought for sure he was gone, and I thought it was Chicago. I will say that. It's it's if you've listened to the pod, it's it's on there. I'm shocked that they signed him. I'm shocked that he stayed, and I'm shocked that he got that much money. I'm not saying he's not worth it. I'm saying I don't know how they can afford it. Well, next year is going to be tough. I mean, I'm with you, Petey. I I did not see them resigning him. And I thought he would end up in in a, you know, Chicago, a Dallas, somewhere else, L.A., who knows where, right? But um, yeah, Toronto obviously loves the player, and they'll have to figure out next year, you know, to get through next season somehow until um, uh, J.T. Uh, Tavares' deal comes off the books. Well, he's not going anywhere. But could you move Marner? Would they move Marner? I feel like I feel like the fan base, if they had to choose right now between Marner and Nylander, they would take Nylander. And I'll be What's honest with you. What's your prime to win the NHL? Like, when are you in your prime? Like, what are your thoughts, fan? Like, if you're talking about a forward in their prime to play at the highest level to win the Stanley Cup, going through your ups and downs, knowing the league, knowing how to win, feeling the losses. Like, when when are you when are you battle tested, and what's the proper age? I think your absolute prime, probably 24 to 29, 30. And then I think 30 to 44, you can be uh, still a great. <laughs> 30 to 44? Yeah. That's old to you? <laughs> That's a dinosaur, man. Who's 44 in the league? Who's right 44 in the league? 30 to 34. <laughs> sorry. Not 30. 44. <laughs> I was going to say. Yager is gone. He might come back. He's 52. Well, the reason why I bring that up is you have uh, Austin Matthews signed long-term. He's 26 years old. You have Mitch Marner, uh, 26 years old. And you have Nylander, who is 27. John Mm -hmm. Tavares has got one more year left in his deal. So they're going to be paying $45 million plus. (laughs) <laughs> Almost $46 million to an $87.5 million salary cap. Yeah. How do you, how do, you do that? Just take Bertuzzi off. Just take Domi off. Not re-sign anybody of significance. Just bring up rookies for one year. Well, not to mention, and, not that he's going to be a, a ton of money, 
but he's going to cost some money. Timothy Lille Timothy Lilligren is going to be out for a contract. It's not going to be huge, but where? How do you even give a guy a couple million more, or even a million and a half more? Well, like I said, if you take Bertuzzi off, who's five five, and Domi off, who's three, you're looking at eight and a half million dollars between two players. You bring in two rookies that make nine nine fifty. You know, let's say two million. You're you're saving yourself six and a half million dollars with those two players right away. They don't have a goalie. Is there a goaltender on this team that significantly has stood up and take over the reins? And the answer is no. Um, I think that that Walls played really well for them before he got injured. Yep. I think he looks like he could be and a he makes solid seven hundred and seven hundred and sixty six thousand bucks. Right. So he'll get a two year deal at a pretty pretty low number, right? Well he has in two thousand twenty four, twenty five, he makes seven hundred and seventy six. Oh, he is the go. perfect he is the perfect goaltender. Perfect goaltender. Perfect goaltender for their situation. And they have this Dennis uh Hilderby Hilderby. Yeah. Um, that got called up. He's 22 years old. He makes 843,000. There's your two goaltenders next year for the, for the, well, Maple but Leafs. I think they have also Martin Jones, who's played some, right. So some good games for them. That's a veteran goalie who probably makes less than a million there. Doesn't he? He 800? makes 875, but yeah. we're talking about next year. Next year is the important year for Toronto, where it's almost like Toronto has said to themselves, we're going to have to sacrifice a year to have five more good years past that. Correct. Right. Yep. Um, because John Tavares is is making eleven million dollars and I don't think he's going anywhere. And I'm sure that I'm sure, you know, they had conversations of, of trading him. And I'm assuming that the assets coming back weren't worth the trade. That's why they decided to, you know, pay up and keep the player. Because for to trade for a guy like Nylander, how much are you really gonna give up if you don't know? with the eight year extension in place. Well, you're, you're going to give something up. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're probably going to be taking on salary, which I don't think they want to do. John Tavares this year, uh, has 12 goals, 34 points in 37 games. He's still playing at a very high level. Last year, he had 36 goals and 80 points in 80 games. He's still playing at a very high level. Mm -hmm. Point is, they're trying to keep their team together of younger players. I don't think they want to ch trade Mitch Marner, um, which is no. a lot of people are talking about, well, now that you have the, now they have William Nylander signed for 11 and a half, they're going to have to move one of the guys. And it, the odd man out is, is uh, Mitch Marner, I'm not trading Mitch Marner. They're not going to trade Mitch Marner. No. But this all circles back to my ridiculous idea last year at the end of the year to let Matthews play out his contract, see what his value is, and then decide if you want to re-sign him or spend that money elsewhere. I, I think you're crazy. I've always yeah. said you're crazy, Petey, on this because to me, Marner is a, a top five player in the league. He can. I, I've heard you say it. I think yeah. you oh, said yeah. he's a better goal scorer than Ovechkin is. And and I do agree with you. Obviously, it's this is a tough statement because he's got, Ovi's got 800 plus goals and chasing the best player in the world. To break that record. I don't think it's that crazy of a statement to say that about Ovi and his goals, but but 
But, but yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, the kick can score from anywhere. I mean, I have seen him score from the goal line, top of the circle, mm-hmm. one-timers, tips the front, line. redirections. Yeah. I mean, any way you want, the kid can score. And you, to me, it's, again, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a brand. Austin Matthews is a brand that that team sells. They need him. Like, that's that's not a player you just let walk or trade. There's more to it on the business side, in my opinion, that yep. to keep yep. an Austin Matthews is very important for the Leafs. And the yeah. league. And the league. Austin yes. Matthews, one of the biggest names in the National Hockey League. He's one of the biggest names in the world, yep. in the biggest market. In the biggest market. You you have to pay him. I mean, mm-hmm. Gary Bedman's like, no, 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 no. Guys, guys, guys. You're not letting Austin Matthews go. You just need to pay him. Yeah. Okay? You have more more money than all the teams in the league. Okay. William Nylander is the same thing. He's dynamic. He's only getting better. He's got years of super high end, uh, skill still to come. Like he's only 27 years old. You can't let a guy like William Nylander walk from your lineup. But you know, what's okay. Okay. You know, what's crazy to me is when I saw this on, on, on social media yesterday, again, the 11 and a half in Toronto, is still he's still gonna take home less than Matthew Kachuk's nine and a half in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Like how is the NHLPA and I've said this when I was in the league still, how are we not fighting this? Like that's not to right. Put, like to, to me, put everybody on the same scale. Yeah, absolutely. For for tax uh for tax purposes. Well the the salary cap should be higher in Toronto. Well, if you can do it for escrow to cover their ass on their losses, they should be able to do it for somehow yeah, balance for the out players. the taxes, whether it's, it, I mean, it would have to be done internally at the PA. They could level the playing field mm-hmm. for the teams that are paying, that where players have to pay taxes and versus and live in the snow versus pay less taxes and live in the sun. Hey, Sam Reinhardt, you know, Everyone thinks he's going to sign now for 11 and a half. I think he's going to stay in Florida where he loves it. He's obviously his game has taken to another step, especially with Paul Maurice. I can see him going, okay, I'll take eight years at nine. Now let's say he doesn't take eight years at nine. What if he goes to the market? What if he goes to the market? He's not going to the market, PD. Why would he go to the market? That's That's so much money. He's comfortable. He loves it there. He's like living said, in paradise. At, at 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 nine, that's like signing in Toronto for eleven too. And the teams, the, the teams competitive. The teams competitive. Have, the teams great. Alexander Barkov with Kachuk leading the way on the offense. They're they're on the younger side of things. They've got a ton more game. You go look at Philadelphia, uh, the Florida Panthers, and what they've done. They've they've assembled a really nice hockey team. Sam Bennett is is not old. He's only twenty seven. Carter Vestigi, help me out here, Petey. Vestig, okay, twenty eight years old. I believe it's for playing Hagee. incredible hockey for Haggy. Uh, uh, Antoine Lindell. 22 years old. Like they have some players that are, are outstanding. And, uh, I, I can only, I can only say this because, you know, Mackenzie, my cousin who's now in Calgary and he loves Calgary. He really does love Calgary, but I'm going to tell you, he 
loved playing in Florida. Those young guys are are living a dream on top of a dream. It's one thing to play in the NHL. It's one thing to play in a place like Florida where the taxes are so great and you're driving, you know, a sports car to the rink every morning. Like these guys are living in a in a fairy tale. And on top of that, they just opened a whole new complex, which I heard is beautiful, like a practice facility. So out in South Beach? Is that the guy? Is, so I watched this, and that's um, Paul Maurice and uh, who's uh, the Aaron Eckblad. We're all pulling up with their golf carts. Yeah. So so this complex is, and you know how they're old. Well, the the building they play in is from what half an hour from Fort Lauderdale, where most of the guys live. Yeah, where we used to be sunrise. down there at the at the hotel. So it's kind of a ways out there, but it's easy. It's highway. And then their practice rink, which they, they weren't there much, even when I played there for my cup of coffee, is even a little bit farther than the practice rink. So now this new complex is right in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, guys are living blocks away from this. This is a team that I think that's going to be they're, they're set up for a long time to be good because Edmonton, so they don't have to live in sunrise anymore. They don't have to live out there in that. It right. was, well, I was nobody Florida lived out bit. there in sunrise. Not they anymore. Would make, they would make, they would make the, the track. Oh, they did rev. They used to live right near the, they used to, they used yeah. to. Yeah. yeah I think that's, to, that's yeah. kind of changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's because all those years ago, I was, my last year pro <laughs> I signed with Florida and I was there and, and one guy lived in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And everybody else lived way out in this. It was just like strip malls and, and yep. roads. And that was it. And it was golf courses. There's just nothing out there. But so, they've built the culture now with Paul Maurice where they're going to go and acquire players in the future. Old veteran players, they're going to sign for less, right? I mean, that's always the talk with the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, that they don't have enough depth. How can they not get why, – why don't guys want to go and play there for less? Well, I think Florida is in a situation where they're going to get that benefit. Yeah. So what's the contract? Sam Reinhart's 28 years old. 28 years old. He just turned 28. What is his contract banner when you're looking at his statistics for the 2023-24 season? He's got 39 games played, so not quite half a season yet. He has 28 goals and 50 points plus 17. Sick. I watched it the other day when they played the Avalanche and the kids just in the right spot and and when you're feeling it as a goal scorer, Man, the, the the net looks huge, and right now the net looks like a soccer net to him. I mean, he just he's feeling it. But as he's far as also, contract, he's also a very versatile goal scorer, Thomas. I mean, he can score off a shot off the rush. He can score on a deke. He can tip. He can, you know, find loose pucks. I mean, he's he's an all around goal scorer. This guy. He's an all around goal scorer, and I think he is. He's he's one of the smartest wanna... players in the league. One of the best passers too, by the way. Yes. And I think, again, I love his game because it's similar to how I played. Not a great skater, in my opinion, makes plays, but he, he makes his he makes his living in front of the net. And I think that part of the game is going away. You know, I mean, Rivs, you coach youth hockey. I coach youth hockey. I watch a lot of college hockey. 
yes, is the, the game is changing, way more skilled, faster, and this and this. But every coach I talk to, that they struggle with the same thing that I struggle with, net front, net front. Who's willing to stop? Who's willing to why? Tip? Why Who is rebounds? that? Why is that in youth hockey? In youth hockey, Banner, why is it um, that that is happening where there's a lot less kids that want to go to the front of the net? Why is that? Why because do you think? They don't watch. To me, this generation doesn't watch hockey games anymore. Like I, when I was in high school in Sioux Falls playing in the USHL, I watched games and I learned a lot just by watching games, patterns, this and this, this. I'm like, okay, this guy is in front of that tipping pucks. I'm going to try this. I think I'm good at this. Yeah. So I molded my game after watching games. My own kids, they, they, I mean, they'll sit down and watch a game here and there, but it's mainly, it's on the phone. It's all highlights, snippets. How did the goal? It's, it's very result driven. So it's a lot of one-timers. It's a lot of toe drag shots. But... That's a small percentage of, of of kids that are actually able to do that. If the rest of them would just go to the net and find a role, find a niche, there's yeah. they, they would be able to play yeah. at the next level. I also think they don't feel like they have enough time with the puck if they're in front of the net because it's a quick play. All kids in youth hockey do not want to go to front of the net because they want the puck. Yeah. It's it's perimeter. Mommy and they daddy all, after games. Are they're saying the same thing to their young kids, whether they're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven? They're saying, "Go get the puck. You need to have the puck on your stick." So if you're having the puck on your stick, you're most likely playing on the outsides, right? And or at least waiting for it out there. Yeah, and and kids <laughs> want the puck, so they want the. They're going to get the puck, which is they're leaving the most dangerous area in hockey, which is the, the eight foot radius around the front of the net. And most hockey players in youth hockey cycle from the corners. They cycle from behind the net in the corner, half board hash marks. They want the puck out there. Problem is there's no one in front of the net because everybody wants the puck and they all want to be the shot guy. They all want to shoot. Okay. Meanwhile, the people that have been through it, like Thomas Vanek, who has scored an ungodly amount of goals in his life, realizes that he does not have to be Derek Roy. He doesn't have to be Tim Connolly. I can score more goals than them because I know how to score goals. I'm going to go to the front of the net. And you realize you've picked this up at an early age, Vanner, that you're like, I don't, I don't need to handle the puck all the time. I'm just going to go to the net, get a rebound get a deflection and I'm going to score more goals in that five foot area. But the, I think that the, and, and you're right with that, but, and I'm not saying that our generation was so much better than this generation because it's not, but the mentality is different. But I also realized at a young age that roles matter. Like I, I knew there was guys who were more skilled than me. There, I knew there was guys who were tougher than me. They were way better at blocking shots while they played penalty kill. I never looked at my coach and be like, why can't I penalty kill? Because I'm like, I had self-awareness. A lot of these kids, I think, don't have that self-awareness of, they, they say, no, I, I can do that. I'm better than him. I'm better. It, it, it's always better than him instead of being, okay, maybe this coach is right. Let him handle a puck. Go in front. He's, he's a different there. player than I am. Different player. I talked to a college coach the other day, and 
we were talking exactly about this this kind of conversation about net fronts and teaching about and you know he knew how i played and he's like how do you teach your kids i'm like i teach them every day but i struggle with it we're getting better blah 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 and he goes I'm out recruiting and all I'm looking for is if I can find a kid who can stand in front, is willing to tip and rebound and battle in front, he goes, I'll hand him a scholarship immediately after the game because they are so tough to find nowadays. It was crazy to me to hear because obviously they recruit all over the country. But yep. anyways, Sam Reinhardt is going to get paid. I think his contract is going to look very similar to Matthew Kachuk. I'm Will he take a pay right cut? There. Will he take a pay cut? Like well, I, I think to me, uh, I think a pay cut right now is not, not taking 11 and taking 9.5. Wow. Or 9.25. Wow. I think where Craig was thinking, like somewhere in the eights for eight. Oh, no, 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 absolutely no, no, not. No, no, oh, okay, I think okay. After... Listen, William Nylander, they're, they have the same stats. Sam's tied for second in league goals. He has 28 goals. I'm talking the previous years. William Nylander last year had 85 points or 87 points. I don't. I think 40 goals, and he he scored more than than Sam. I don't put Sam Reinhardt and William Nylander in in the same category. I think William Nylander has produced more offense. He's more dynamic. Okay, um, Sam. I think has a better overall. Players. Game. They're they're yeah they're they're different uh, right wingers. Um, not one better than the other. William Nylander got eleven and a half million. He got eleven and a half million because he's playing in Toronto. If William Nylander would have signed as an unrestricted free agent in in uh, Florida, he would have signed for for nine and a half ten. He would have taken that because it would have been the same or more than in Toronto. That's this is why we're talking. And Vanner brought it up about the salary cap and the taxes. Tampa Bay has been doing this for years and they won Stanley cups because of it. When you sign a, a player like Steve Stamkos back in the day, when the Buffalo Sabres apparently offered him 11 and a half million dollars to come to Buffalo, he turned it down to take eight and a half in Tampa Bay. <laughs> that is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. But the point is, People want to play in Tampa Bay. They want to play in uh, um, Florida. The taxes are insane. They're saving. They don't have to sign people for the same money. What they do is they say, okay, your worth on the open market is 11 million, but here in Tampa, your contract is nine and a half because it equals if you were to go sign in a certain other, other team. So that's how they're, they're going to get around and they're going to build a stronger team than most teams in the league. Like, like Buffalo, because our taxes are so high, um, it's going to be tougher. It's going to be tougher on, on a lot of different levels. Time now for Crash Course presented by Salino Law. Car crash, call Salino, 800-555-5555. All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. That's Don Granado before tonight's game against the Seattle Kraken. They have a chance to make it three in a row. They've actually played pretty well. I'm always told that I speak too much. I was waiting on uh, Vanner to take that one. But no, hey. 
two two wins in a row. It's like we're on fire right now. <laughs> it was two good games, but to me, you you got to go here on this home stand. You probably have to win what five out of six. Well, it's it, the home games look like this: Seattle, Ottawa, Vancouver, San Jose, Chicago, Tampa Bay. Teams don't matter. I think teams have shown you can lose to anyone, you can win anyone, right? So, so right, the teams, right. and I've mentioned this before, teams don't matter anymore. You, you got to show up yourself and put good stretches of hockey together and wins together. Teams don't fucking matter. What's incredible to me is that you're, what are they, 39? How many games in are they? 40. 40 games in. And you have managed to only win back-to-back games twice. And you're still not out of it with, with six games at home, all very winnable, not saying they'll win them all, but they should be able to get four of these games at home. And I think they should be able to, to look at real. Should, should, should doesn't exist. I know. I know. Coulda, coulda, woulda, man. Yeah. Should doesn't exist. It, to me, it's neat. It's more of need than should. If you're serious, you, you, you have to, it's, it's just is what it is. If you're going to, and the funny thing is, 500 it ain't gonna work yeah and, and banner banner said it the best like it like you're playing seattle and i i sit there and i think to myself i don't know is seattle that good well they're eight zero and two in their last 10 games they're on they're on fire they're playing great hockey do they make me nervous no they don't make me nervous because i think if the sabers play like really strong if they get great goaltending and if they defend well the Sabres will find ways to score goals, okay? And I think the Sabres can beat any team in the league. So does Seattle beat? Uh, make me nervous? No. Ottawa? No. Vancouver? Mm, a little bit. I think they're a pretty damn good team, but I think they're totally beatable. San Jose and Chicago, I mean, we have to beat those teams. We have to. They're, they're number, what, one and two in the league, the worst teams? Like, Chicago is, like, playing – they're not even playing with an American league roster. They're playing with some guys from the coast, maybe. Um, and Tampa Bay has, we can beat Tampa Bay. Like, I mean, it's all, it's not about who you're playing. Just like Vanner said, it's about how you are playing. And I think the Sabres can beat any team in the league when they're playing great hockey. Correct. I think it's, it's, I mean, finally you've shown you, you put two good games together. But now you you gotta make it three good games, then four good games, five good games, and you know what? And 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 in this stretch, you might have a great game and you might lose, and you, you might get out golden a little bit unlucky, and and that's it sucks, but that's okay as long as you play the right way, it will translate and wins. I know and we weren't goaltenders defensively. That's playing fast. That's that's I mean, for them to win, they have to play fast and score goals because that's the way that team is built, in my opinion. So 12 possible points in this homestand here. Got to get what? Nine? Well, go even further, Petey. Go go to the month of yeah, February. So. They have nine games. I'm going to tell you this. The only game that really makes me super, super insanely nervous, like I'd be shocked if they won the game, is LA Kings. LA is LA's a monster. LA is a big boy hockey team right now playing at home. That's going to be a very difficult game. But going on the road and playing Anaheim and playing San Jose, I feel that this team, if they do the right things and play the right way, 
they're getting great goaltending because they've got two solid young goaltenders, but you also need to protect them. You need to have a team that cares about playing defense. And what's going to happen is one game where you're going to play real strong defense, you're going to win 6-1 because you're going to break open a team like Montreal. The next game, you're going to play a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh, where the game was, what, 1-1 after two periods? That, to me, is a chess match. That's the game that they need to learn and understand how to play. It's not about outscoring teams. It's about playing defense. And some games you're going to blow teams away because they're going to make mistakes. And other teams you're going to play a chess match, a real tough chess match against a team where the Sabres were the ones that came on the positive side and won that game 3-1. Okay, clarify something for me before we get out of here. February has 11 games. January has nine games left. Were you talking about the last nine games in January? Sorry. No. Jan, uh, Jan, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. Making sure. Because yeah, I, I didn't want Because they do play LA in, in February. So I wasn't sure. No, you know, I'm talking about LA the last game like, nine games in January. There's okay. uh, there's nine games left. And I'm going to tell you, this is a really, really strong opportunity for this Sabres team that is You're now healthy. About the, hold on. I'm confused here. You're talking about the last nine games, but LA isn't part of the last nine games, Petey? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. In January, they are. Yeah. I thought Petey just said they play LA in February. They do. At home. At home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of clarifying going on here. But yeah, the, they, the last three games of January are on the road. Anaheim, LA, and then San Jose. Got it. Uh no, and 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 Riff's not wrong with LA, but you know what? Washington just went in and beat them. But yeah. <laughs> does your does your mindset and your game plan have to be different than when you play the Montreal Canadiens? Absolutely. Like if you're gonna play a run and gun game against the LA Kings who who are big and heavy and then and play a great neutral zone, probably not gonna work. You're gonna have to get pucks deep, grind a little bit check hard use your d in the ozone and have a different different mentality of, of how to win a certain game and this team is young this team is very young and they're learning oh boy they're learning listen vanner come on man i i this is I where honestly, i leave i i believe this when i say this that jj paterka and jack quinn and benson and even Owen Power, Owen Power, and there's so many players that are very young. They're learning. They are learning, and we. And, we and I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong with that, but so when you're young, you you can't change your game plan. No, they're learning how to win. They're learning like before Owen. You go watch him. I, I mean, the guy's means. all over the ice. Okay, he's all over the ice, and now he seemed to have calmed his game down a little bit. The team seems to be. That's not. That, uh, that's going, me learning. Learning. That's telling him fucking what to do. Okay, well, that's learning. That's learning. It took that long? <laughs> I, I don't understand. Like that, that, I don't I, know either. I don't, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying what took so long to, to make Because maybe up. they were telling him to go. Maybe they were telling him, you got to, when you have a chance to lead the rush or move up in the play, go. You have a green light. We want to push the pace from the back end. We want to be. So now he's two weeks that. older and he's not? No, I'm saying that they maybe they've changed uh, <laughs> the way that they're they're teaching him. Maybe exactly. So that has the nothing to do with young. Difference. That's that's that has nothing to do with young. 
uh, that's a game plan. That's a teaching, right? His biggest growth came between 22 and a half and 23. <laughs> From Christmas to January 5th. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Crash Course, Thomas, presented by Salino Law. Car crash call Salino, 800-555-5555. Ah, this was fun, boys. I missed you guys.